Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the New Testament reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, as you heard moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to start out by asking you a question today, a question that only you can answer. So I don't need you to shout the answer back to me. You can just think about it and keep it to yourself. Why are you here? If I were to open it up, I think that we would get different answers from many of you. You're here because you are a member of this church. You're here because you want to learn. You're here because you want to be an example to your children. Maybe you're here because those parents forced you to come. You're here because you were invited by somebody. You're here because your spouse or partner brought you along. Or maybe you don't know why you're here because you just happened to randomly walk into this building and the lights were on and here you are. Regardless though, you're all still here. I suspect that the majority of you are all here for the same reason. Because you're members of this church and on Sunday mornings or Wednesday evenings, as a member of this church, you're supposed to come to worship. But then there are those of you who are not members of this church. Maybe you have some connection or even no connection at all. And you're here, but you really aren't sure why. And you're not really sure what to do and what all of this is about. Maybe this is your first time in this building. You are still here. And so today we're going to talk about exactly that, what all of this is about. Because as we heard in the New Testament reading today, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, a church, and he tells them this, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Now, Paul uses the word if. So we know this is an imaginary scenario that he is presenting to the church, but one that is still useful to us today. We have been talking about spiritual gifts, and in this scenario, Paul is still talking about the difference between speaking in tongues a language that is not able to be understood by all and needs somebody to interpret it, compared to prophecy, that is, bringing God's word, a direct message from him brought by a prophet to the people. That's why for Paul, prophecy was valued higher than speaking in tongues, because in prophecy, you can clearly hear God's word. It doesn't come in a different language. In tongues, because someone needs to be able to interpret it, it's not immediately clear. And if there is no one to interpret, then it will never be clear. What if a group of unbelievers comes along who are unfamiliar with the language we use and the things we do? What would they say about us? Would they say that we are out of our minds? Would they say that we are some sort of cult? Would they say, just like some said on the day of Pentecost, they are filled with new wine? In other words, or drunk. If you are somebody who is visiting for the first time and you've gone through half the worship service so far, what do you think? 
Does any of this make sense? Do you know why you're here yet? And so I get to ask you another question that you get to think about, not answer out loud. What is the primary purpose of worship? Is that primarily for the edification of those who are already church members? Or should worship be designed to attract and recruit outsiders? Is it more for the believers or for the unbelievers? Now, I intentionally threw a big word out there that you might not understand in order to prove a point. What's edification? We could say it's to build up, to improve. So is worship about the building up of those on the inside or the bringing in of those on the outside? In short, the answer is yes. When we look at Paul's words to the Corinthians, we're going to find out that he wants both to happen. He wants those who would be called outsiders or those that are not believers, he wants them to be brought in. He wants them to believe. And that's because God wants them all to believe. As Paul writes to his friend Timothy saying, God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so what we do here is more like prophecy than speaking in tongues because we want everyone to understand what we're doing here. And what we're doing is bringing the word of God in its truth and purity and presenting it as clearly as we can. On Saturday, Andrew and I were at a wedding at a Vietnamese Catholic church. 90% of the ceremony was in Vietnamese, a language neither of us could understand. Sure, the gospel reading was from the Gospel of John printed in English, but I really have no idea what was said. The entire message, the sermon, was in a language I could not speak and therefore it did nothing for me. It would have been just as easy to not be there. That does not mean the majority of those who were there experienced what I did. I think the majority of them were built up by what happened. But here's the thing. If we view a wedding as a worship service intended to bring people from the outside in, it may not have accomplished that. But is that what a wedding is about? Some could argue, yes, because you have them in church and if they are not believers, this is your chance to share the message. Some could argue no, and say that the wedding is about coming before God and asking for his blessing upon your marriage. And there is worship involved in that, but it's not mainly a worship service. So when we think about a worship service, the word of God is presented clearly. It speaks to the heart of every individual. The Holy Spirit will work in the lives of each person, leading them to humbly worship and acknowledge that God is the God of all people and that God is our Savior. Or as Paul would put it, one would fall on their face, worship God, and declare that he is really among us. God who has revealed himself to us as one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This idea of the outsiders being brought in, the unbelievers believing, was prophesied about by Isaiah in chapter 45, and we heard it read earlier. Thus says the Lord, the wealth of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and the Sabians, men of stature, shall come over to you and be yours. They shall follow you. They shall come over in chains and bow down to you. They will plead with you, saying, Surely God is in you, and there is no other, no God besides him. 
This is pointing to people from all different nations coming together as the people of God and all of them worshiping together, worshiping as one people, as one body, just as God has called us to be because we are his people. The process Paul describes is similar to the one that Jesus shared in his earthly ministry that you heard about in the gospel reading from John chapter 4. Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman in a language she understood. He revealed his knowledge of her sins. She understood him as a prophet, and he showed himself to her as the Christ, the one who was to come to save her. This process is also what we see in worship. Worship is about the law and the gospel. The law calls us out on our sin, convicts us of our sin, but the law brings it with full force. It's not some soft, gentle reminder like, oh, well, you know, these are things that you really shouldn't do, like lying or, or being mean or cursing. No, we don't downplay the law. We don't worry about the law offending because that's what the law does. You think you're a good person? Well, the law tells you that you're not. The law tells you that when it comes to living life, you suck. Because the law lays out all of God's commands before you. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't murder. Honor your parents. Put God first. All of them. And the law shows you that you have not done this. You cannot keep God's commands because you're not perfect. You were born into sin and are a sinner. And sinners sin. And what sin does is it causes death. And not just physical death, but eternal death. What you receive for your sin is hell. It's damnation. It's suffering for eternity. That is who you are someone who is condemned to hell for all eternity. Do you feel bad? Are you sorry for your sins? Are you offended? Good. That's what the law is supposed to do. It wants you to make sure that you understand the reality that you are in so that you are ready for the gospel. Because as the law condemns, the gospel saves. The law is presented so that you are convinced of your sinfulness, that you are a sinner and you need something to be done about your sin and you cannot do it on your own. Sin is the darkness inside of you and the word of God is the light to expose your darkness, to expose your sin and to call you to turn from your sin, to repent of it, to say, I'm sorry for my sins, God. Please forgive me and help me to do them no more. And then the Holy Spirit brings faith to a person. You are dead in your sins, but God came to save you. That's the gospel. He did that by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who is true God and true man, lived a perfect life, the life you couldn't live. And he gave up that life for you. He became your sacrifice to give you forgiveness of your sins, because he knew that it was the only way to rescue you from eternal punishment. Jesus took hell for you. He took hell to give you heaven. And he rose from the dead, proving he defeated sin, death, and the devil. And salvation, being saved from hell, comes to you by grace alone, 
through faith alone, because of Christ alone. Salvation is a free gift from God given to you because you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And faith is a gift that has been given to you by the Holy Spirit. A worship service like we have is first and foremost worship. So what does that look like? What are the parts that are involved? When, well, when we look at all the aspects of a worship service, we should clearly see God's word revealed to us with both the law and the gospel. First is the invocation. We begin in God's name because we come to worship him. Give him all honor and praise that he deserves. Then we have a time of confessing our sins, acknowledging that we are sinners and receiving God's forgiveness. Then we hear God's word read to us, his law and his gospel. We hear a message, a sermon given by the pastors, men whom you have called to bring you God's word, his word that is found in the Bible. We gather the offerings, which is an opportunity to thank God with our financial contributions for all the things that he has given to us in our life. Because the offerings support the ministry of bringing God's word to his people to help build them up and to bring his word to those who do not know it. We have a time of professing our faith. Usually it's in the form of a creed where we talk about who God is and what he has done for us. We pray to God for all of our needs and for the needs of others. We pray as he taught us to pray. And the last words spoken by the pastors are words of blessing, leaving you with more of God's word. And throughout the whole service, you will hear and sing songs that will support the word of God that is being presented this day. And on top of that, we also have the sacraments that we don't have every week but they are another way that we bring God's gospel to his people. In baptism, God washes your sins away and reaffirms before his people that you are his child. You are clothed with Christ, with his righteousness. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life, giving you the gift of faith. And the Lord's Supper is receiving Jesus' body and blood with the bread and wine for the forgiveness of your sins for your salvation because you believe and to strengthen, to build up that faith. Worship is about speaking God's word clearly in order to build up and strengthen the members of the church. But it is also an effective tool to reach those who do not believe because it's God work, it's God's work and his word not ours alone. God bless your worship. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.